Big Conversations Little Bar with your hosts Randy Florence and Patrick Evans featuring candid conversations with the Coachella Valley's most interesting and influential people. Pull up a bar stool and enjoy Big Conversations Little Bar. Welcome to another Big Conversation Little Bar, our podcast here. My name is Patrick Evans and we are at Little Bar in Palm Desert, California where we originate each of these podcasts essentially on a weekly basis or whenever the hell we feel like it. I am joined by my co-host and sidekick, Randy Florence. How are you, sir? Good. Call me Robin for this hour. (laughs) That's how I prefer to be referred to during this podcast. Now, are you the Robin of the 1966 television series version, or are you the Robin of the the later film version that killed the, the franchise? In the later years, it was clear that he worked out. Yes, um, the early Robin and Batman were poor <laughs> specimens, and that was me. They're okay. <laughs> oh, I thought you meant he was the Robin Quivers of Howard Stern. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many Robin possibilities. Yeah. <laughs> Which Robin do you identify as today, Ray? Uh, we're really delighted this week to have as our guest Terry Ray, who is an actor, uh, a writer, a producer. Are there hats that you don't wear? Uh, not in the sun. I need a hat. <laughs> <laughs> and you just finished directing. No, I was acting. Oh, did, you were acting. Yeah. Okay. The boys in the band. The boys in the band. Yeah. And I just want to say real quick that I shared a dressing room with Adam West, and I saw him in his tidy whities just Ooh. because we had the Adam, the whole Robin thing. And right, was I correct about the dad bod? Uh, well, yeah. He was in his 70s, but still, it was Batman. Okay. Wow. Okay. I just need to, that, start, that starts the podcast right there. What were you doing with Adam West? I was on a sitcom that no one's ever heard of because it only lasted like 11 episodes called The Mullets, but it starred Lonnie Anderson. And Adam and I both were guest stars, and we had a trailer with a, a with a, an accordion thing in between our two sides. And, and I was like, Batman. And um, he, it, we, we were talking through the, the, the accordion thing, and he at one point he said, do you want to just open this up? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> And then, you know, I'm in the room with Adam West, and he's in his tidy whities sometimes, and I'm like, I, this little boy's head's exploding, you know? Uh, I miss the days when superheroes were more related. I'm like, I grew up with that Batman TV series. Me too! Like, and, and you didn't... You didn't have to go to the gym every day to, to fight crime as a, you know, as the Dark Well, Knight. and where were you going to see Eartha Kitt in... Julie Newmar. 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 Julie Newmar was the first. Eartha Kitt was the second, but arguably the better Catwoman. Yeah. I never turned the sound up. (laughs) (laughs) The dialogue kind of ruined the show. (laughs) Terry, talk a little bit about your acting career, aside from guesting and seeing Batman in his underwear. Uh, Well, that doesn't... It's going to be downhill from there. Um, (laughs) That was the high point. (laughs) We started at the top. We're going to really slide down the rest of the way. Thanks Um, for being here. Welcome. (laughs) Um, I've been an actor. If you asked me when I was three years old what I was, I would have told you, I'm an actor. I don't know where it came from. It just always was in me. Were your parents theatrical? No, no, no. no. I, I, you know, I, I, I forced my way into a, a, a play when I was in kindergarten. <laughs> okay. I held out for the role of the ugly duckling. <laughs> I got it. Thank you. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I always, I, I just never had any, anything else in my brain. That was it. And I don't know where it came from. So I've been an actor forever. Well, let's, so. let, let's step back. Where were you born? Uh, in Ohio, uh, in a little, uh, I was born in Columbus, but we lived in a little town called Mount Sterling. But I grew up in Grove City, which is a suburb of Columbus. Okay, so now it's become a travel log. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> That's true. It's kind of. I told you it's downhill after the <laughs> underwear. Um, uh, one brother. One brother. Uh, uh, was he creative? Is he creative? My brother is such an eclectic guy. He he has a- invented things. He has uh, spent time in Antarctica. He actually moved the South Pole because um, the glacier, I mean, ice moves and they have to relocate the ice. I mean, he does weird things. Wow. Yeah. Can we get him on the podcast? That's <laughs> <Yeah>. my next <laughs> question. It, we, uh, get him down here and you can do him. <laughs> Good afternoon, caller. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so... You force your way into a play as the Ugly Duckling. Yes. Uh, what was your first professional acting gig? Um, I guess my first professional acting gig was, um, well, on, t- on camera, because well, I did theater all along. So uh, I was in a play. I was a slave 
in real life uh, for a play, a theater called uh, Playhouse in the Square in Memphis, Tennessee. I was like what they call an intern, which is another word for slavery. <laughs> right. <laughs> Just a polite term. Um, Indentured servitude. Yes. I think I made $60 a week. And, uh, and that's, but you were a paid intern. Now, now see, that is, that's, that's pretty special. Right. But you still get your little bills and you still have to eat. So, oh. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I was doing a play and this somebody from, was going to do a commercial and, and they, they called me in by mistake. They wanted another actor that was in the play and they sent the wrong one. They sent me. And... Um, um, and you so, snake the gig. So yeah, so they said we want you to we want you to get carried away by a mob. I mean that's your audition. Like you're by yourself. You got to get carried away by a mob in your audition. Apparently I did it and I got booked for four commercials which they were they were like regional for several states in the south for an autos parts store and um <laughs> I was I was so tortured. I made only one hundred and fifty dollars for the commercials, but I was making sixty dollars. So no, I think I made a th- I made four hundred fifty because it was one hundred fifty each. But um, but one time they were like, "We want you to drop from the ceiling," and I'm like, "How do I get up there?" They got all the extras with a blanket and they threw me up there, <laughs> and it, they threw me so hard that I splattered on the top of the ceiling. And then they caught me falling down, almost unconscious, and that's the shot that they used. It's like, oh look, he's falling through the air. It's just. It, and here's your hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah. Thank you. And then they did a they did a thing where they put me on this turntable and they spin me really fast. And these people come in the store and my clothes come off. And uh, but I'm wearing these stupid, ridiculous uh, boxer shorts. Back to underwear. Um, so back, <laughs> That's a thing. There's always a theme. Back to and one. We found it. Um, so anyway, I was doing. And then I was after that. I was doing while well, that commercials was playing. I was uh, doing this children's show in Alabama, and uh, uh, because it's glamorous and. Um, <laughs> And this little kid comes and up. And the best children's yeah, shows come yeah, from Alabama. Right? Uh, this little kid comes up to me with his mother, and he says in front of everybody, I've seen him in his underwear. And, and everybody looks at me like, what did you do with that little boy? And I'm like, I don't know what he's moment. talking about. And then he starts describing. I'm like, oh, you mean on television? And he's like, yes. And I'm like, oh, thank God. Okay. <laughs> and 13 years later, when he was back in public. That's right. <laughs> Uh, so was you there ever ask, a plan? You ask the questions, I'm going to answer. Uh, okay. We want him. Was there ever a plan B for you? You no. wanted to be an actor from the age of three. Yeah. No, no plan this B. This is all you were going to do. No, no sense at all. Just yeah. this is it. I, I, you know, poverty, whatever. It didn't matter. It's going to be an actor. Still. What is, your, what is the favorite role that you've done to date? It's got to be my play, Electricity. Yes. Yeah. And I saw Electricity. Actually, you had me on as a, a yeah. moderator, mm-hmm. which I really thoroughly enjoyed. Thank you. Uh, great play. Thanks. Uh, Terry wrote this play, Electricity, and it was the longest-running play in Palm Springs, yeah. continuously running. And it's still, uh, we're off-Broadway bound for the second time. We were before COVID, and then everything crashed, and then my producer died, so it was a horrible thing. But mm. now we're back, and we're almost there, and I've been doing this play for seven years. It's the best role, I, you know, I had to write it myself so I could get it. Otherwise, no one else would have got it. Where did so, the story come from? You know, I was writing these really horrible, soul-sucking TV movies. I wrote 11 <laughs> of them. Yes. And they're awful. Misha Barton <laughs> and, and David Odger Stoops. Yes! Oh, yeah, I was going to say you made that up, but you know. You know. I know. Yes, that's right. Um, and, 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 but that's when I got credit for I ghost writ wrote so many of them. And they're... I, now I know why they're bad because you can give them a script and then they 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 just they core, they just dig out all the stuff that's good and fill it with poop and that's it <laughs> and um um and they'll tell you that you know you, for our listener we probably don't want to use terminology that's only specific to the industry <laughs> that's right poop <laughs> poop um no they give you notes like it's a comedy but don't make it funny or we don't like characters with flaws it's like what <laughs> so um. So I did that 11 times, and the last, finally, the last two I got credit for, and I'm like, okay, I'm done. And I have to write something where I will not get a bad note, because you write, you take these awful notes, and you still try to make it good, and then they take credit for it. What a great note I gave you, because you made that work. But um, I couldn't do that anymore, and so I'm like, I'm going to write a play, because that's the only thing where the writer's king. And the, I just sat down, I'm like, I'm going to write a play, and it just poured out of me. The story had to be in there somewhere, right? I, it just, it I, just I, all came together. Yes. Was there wow. any bit of electricity that... I mean, obviously some of it did, but how much of it came from your own personal experience? You know, yeah, I have to put some stuff. So I, I set the play in Ohio in a, in a town that I knew well, not the town that I was from. But um, 
I picked a town that has a really bad uh, paper mill smell because when I was a kid, we used to go through that town to go to my grandparents' house. And I, it smelled so bad, I used to gag and hold my nose. And I'm like, what would it be like to live in that town? So I thought that could be something to, to, to bring to it. And, um, and my character in the play, it takes place over four decades, and it's a gay guy who doesn't want to be gay at the beginning or is ashamed of himself, and he you know, winds up accepting himself and and it's a love story but it's a lot of messed up people and he's, um, a, he's a pretty repressed character in the beginning yeah uh but his boyfriend is not so yeah well there are they boyfriends it's well, like that's, yeah, well, it's okay yeah. that's a good question yeah so anyway it's 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 a it's a quite a journey and uh i just am so thrilled to take that ride every night i i i just it oh it's true stuff uh my character goes just a seminary in real life, and um, I did. I tried not to be gay for an entire year, and it <laughs> didn't really work out. <laughs> didn't it? <take. laughs> didn't. I drank the Kool-Aid. Didn't help. Yeah. <laughs> did you give it a year? You said at the end of the year. Uh, it was actually technically nine months. You know. Okay. <laughs> I guess if I would have hung in for three more months, it might have worked. Right, I want to. I want to ask you about that, if you don't mind talking about. It. What was that like? Uh, I mean, because obviously this is just, it's, it's a core of, of who you are. Right. How do you, how do you run counter to that for that long? You know, it's like, it's so hard to explain to people, but it's like, if, as a straight person, if you were put in a world where everybody was gay and you were still who you are and you're supposed to be gay, but you're not. And it's like, but you got to try to fit. It just, and you're like, it's wrong. What you're doing is wrong. So it's like, it's, it sucks until you finally go, you know what? This was a seminary, and I'm like, God made me this way. Yeah. And that's when I finally learned. It's like, this is the way I was made. I'm not choosing it. It, it happened. This is it. So once I got to that point, I was okay. It seems like you've always lived on the stuff that I've seen, kind of your truest self. Yeah, now I just, just oh, come on, as gay as they can be. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, hello. <laughs> so... Because uh, I'm a rainbow pooping <laughs> kind of guy. See, we just used the yeah. word poop twice. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, I want to hear the, the story about you being fired as uh, being somebody's <laughs> assistant taking care of their dog. No, I wasn't the person's assistant. I was the dog's assistant. You were the dog. So Wait, what? You haven't I don't quite graduated to people assistant. Gabby the dog. Uh, so I, um, oh God, okay, I'll try to do this as fast as I can. No. This is a crazy story. So <laughs> I was a temp as an, as an actor. I was working as a temp and um, I got a temp job at this, this lady who was an interior designer and she had a dog with a desk. Gabby the dog. He was like, and he, he was like, oh, I love dogs. Gabby had a little desk and I was like, you know, I pet Gabby and he was friendly and this lady was, I'm going to have to say very, 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 very large. I'm like, her, her stomach stuck out further than her hands did if she was straight ahead. So she ate a lot. So we went to like, I was there for one day at first and, and we went to lunch like three times. And she said, she said, um, you know, Gabby likes you. Gabby doesn't like people and that Gabby likes you. And at the end of the third lunch, she said, um, Gabby wants to hire you. And I said, well, that's great that I'm an actor. And, and she said, well, Gabby can work around your schedule. David Hasselhoff worked for Gabby. And I'm like doing the math. Wait, like, what? Yeah. So I mean, this is a long time ago, but I'm also, I'm not that old, but still, I, I was trained to do the math. And I'm like, in his, Gabby's lifetime, David Hasselhoff could have not been famous for like a little bit of a year or a half or something. So I'm like, okay, maybe. So anyway, I accepted Gabby's offer and um, I was his assistant. He, I, what I would do is I would tell him stories about ducks and farmers. And he liked it a lot. And he would look out the window for a duck and he would look out for a farmer. And he was super smart and he could, he could hold up fingers and you say, how many fingers? And if he had seven, he would bark seven times. The dog was crazy smart. And um, anyway, this lady, we, we flew to San Francisco. She was large. She got stuck in the aisle, just going one back, one seat, and she broke her ribs and she had to stay in San Francisco. Gabby and I flew back to LA and we had like several weeks of just nice magazine reading and talking about ducks and farmers. It was great. But then we had to go back to um, San Francisco and fly up there and he flew in this environment thing, this whole environment thing. And I get to San Francisco and no Gabby. No, Gabby. What? Yeah, Gabby had gone to Vancouver. And so that wasn't good. So I had to keep telling this lady that, you know, we were still in L.A., didn't catch the plane. And I'm like, in the meantime, get Gabby back, get Gabby back. So I get Gabby back eventually, and he is ticked. I mean, so mad at me. He won't look at me. He sits in the car, and I say, there's a duck, and he just turns his head like, no, I am not going to look at your stupid duck. He would not 
look at me. He was so mad. And then I held him to take him out of the car to give him to his, his mama. And as soon as he saw her, he peed all over me. And, uh, and she said, oh, Gabby has fired you. And he did. He did it on purpose. <laughs> And so I was. You were I was, fired by the dog. I was fired by the dog. I was standing in the street in San Francisco with a pea-soaked shirt and um, no plane ticket back, and that's how I got fired. And then one day I was at a party with David Hasselhoff, and I'm like, I'm going in for the answer. <laughs> so um, <laughs> David Hasselhoff is talking to somebody, and I'm like, I'm so sorry. Excuse me, I have to ask you this. And I said, Do you know a dog named Gabby? And he's like, What? And he's like, <laughs> he said, You know, tell me, tell me. And I tried to go fast. He's no, no, no. I want to hear. I want to hear it all. So I tell him everything. And then at the end, he said. I didn't work for Gabby, but he said it in a way that I wasn't sure because he had his friend with him, so I was never really sure if he did or not. And then the next day, he's filmed eating a hamburger, crawling around on a hotel floor. I can't discuss that. <laughs> <laughs> I can't discuss that. Really? <clears throat> well, I mean, that, that's, that, that is public. David has wound his way through our podcast. D- David is he recurring? Oh. He is a bit of a recurring character. And he's going to sing our theme song when we have one. Um, Good. In German. It'll be German. Yeah, it'll be really big in Germany. Very famous. Yeah. But no, that's a matter of public. He ate that hamburger in Vegas off, mm. off the plate on the floor. Really? There's more to that story, but we can't go into that. Uh, you're <laughs> currently doing uh, the Actor's Studio. The Actor's Lab. The Actor's Lab, sorry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm in teaching. I'm teaching acting, and I'm loving it. It's. Uh, but that that's a... A lot of people can teach acting uh, under the auspice of it, but the Actors Lab is a big deal because you have to be kind of recruited to do that, Yeah, and it is a very specific franchise, for lack of a better word. Right. It's been around for 34 years. It's got a lot of uh, wonderful reputation. It's in, it's in some, you know, very, very big cities, uh, and they asked me to start the branch in Palm Springs, which is really lovely, and... Um, I, I love it. I, I, I studied with Charles Nelson Riley, and I, when I was a student, student of his, I laughed and learned constantly. And I was like, I, it, I couldn't wait for class. And I'm like, I want that to be for my students. I want my students to just not be able to wait till they come to class. And so it's been so great. I love it. Tell me some stories about Charles Nelson. Yeah, that, because there have got to be some good ones. He is the quintessential game show guest. He was just fantastic yes. in everything he did. Yes. And he's a, he was a brilliant actor. I mean, I, I, he was a great director. Yeah, he was. Yes, that's right. A lot of people don't know that he did a lot of directing, but he did quite a bit of directing. Especially one-person shows, Julie Harris several times, uh, The Bell of Amherst, uh, Mary Tyler Moore in uh, Whose Life Is in Any Way, and like a, a lot of, he, and he did the gin game with uh, uh, Charles, oh, oh crap, I can't think of his last name. Um, but anyway, he's, he's, he, he, he directed a lot. One time he directed a play with Renee Taylor, Joseph Bologna, and um, um, Beatrice Arthur, and B. Arthur, and, and he let me go to rehearsals, and I was like, oh my God, I can't believe this. It's so good, you know, and, and I just couldn't take my eyes off of B. Arthur. She was, she was just brilliant, and when she wasn't talking, you just like, brilliant. But Charles, oh my God, <laughs> he would, oh, here's a, okay, so here's a Charles story. He, um, you couldn't fake anything in his class. You, if you were to bake a cake in class, you better bring every single ingredient to bake that cake. And uh, you don't fake anything. So I did this scene that he liked. My character had to smoke. And I, I'm not a smoker. And so I, I, I fake smoked. You know, I had it and I put it in my... But he's, he, afterwards, he says, Terry, it was good, but you didn't smoke. And I'm like, but Charles, I can't say, no, 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 Terry, you have to smoke. You have to really smoke. You have to smoke. Do it again. You got to smoke. And so I, I, I started the scene. I took one puff. I literally turned green, died on the floor. I was just, I just was, I was sweating. I was awful. And Charles just went up to see if I was still alive. And he just looked at me and he said, Terry doesn't have to smoke. <laughs> <laughs> it's good that he made you try it once, though. I mean, I feel mm. like, you know, he got the realism yeah. out of it that he was looking for. And then he was in my movie Gator, which he played my uncle, which was his last on-screen character that he played. So I'm just so thankful that he did that. I, I love Charles. He was the best. Tell yeah. me about the movie. So this is the first time I, I, I literally started to write and create my own stuff with my friend Larry LaFond, who also lives in Palm Springs now. So Larry, Larry was a casting director at Nickelodeon. I did a lot of shows at Nickelodeon, and he wanted to direct, and, and, and he wanted me to get a bigger part because I was just doing small you know, guest star things. And um, he said, why don't we do a film together? And um, I said, great. So I just came up with this idea of, of Gaydar, which is a, a gun that tells whether people are straight or gay, and like, what would we do with this thing? <laughs> and... Um, 
And uh, it just turned into this wonderful thing. And it's got a lot of stories connected with Gator. Gator was crazy successful. It was in over 120 film festivals, won a ton of awards. It was on HBO. And, and it's a short. It's a 20-minute short. But it did crazy well. And it had a Gator Gun spinoff toy with my brother made. And it, it, it was just amazing. We've got to get the brother Merch, on. We've yeah. got to get the brother on the show. <laughs> and <laughs> we shot it. You're going to like this. So we shot it with this big 35-millimeter real-deal camera, like a real movie camera that Larry's uh, partner, Mark, owned because he, of something I'm going to tell you, he helped with Panavision and he would fix things for free and they let him, one time they pick, let him pick the parts of a camera and he knew what he was doing and he wound up being able to prove that that was the camera that shot Star Wars. And then, um, so that's what we filmed Gator on and later that camera sold for over half a million dollars, the highest price I ever paid for a camera. That's an so, amazing story. Right. And crazy. It's remarkable how Star Wars keeps showing up on our podcast. Another well, recurring? Well, because Judith Chapman, who uh, yeah. you know, uh-huh. she auditioned for the role of Princess Leia. She did. At George Lucas's request. My God. And we learned that on Big Conversations Little Bar. So. Well, now this camera would have shot her if she'd gotten the part. Very cool. That really is an amazing story. <laughs> I want to go back to something that I saw a little bit earlier today. And you tell me how you got there and then what came after it. So, uh, one thing we have in common is that I have a family member who's been on a game show with Chuck Woolery. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Please tell me about that episode with Scrabble. It just looked like Chuck was like, who am I dealing with here? Yeah. 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 So, I was, uh, uh, I, I was absolutely broke. And um, I had just moved to L.A. And, you know, I had been coming off as my big savings of, a, you know, $60 a week. So, I, 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 was, I came loaded. <laughs> and I was... Driving a car that at one time I had left burning on the freeway it on fire, but somebody threw snow on it and put the fire out, and I kept driving it. That's what I drove to L.A., and it wouldn't go up a freeway ramp anymore. It was like, <laughs> <laughs> So it didn't go up in clients until I, my friend, uh, she said, I'm going to book you on a game show. She, she applied for me, and I got accepted to be on Scrabble. And when you do a game show, they, at the time, I guess it's probably still true, if, you're, if two people playing, they would put three names in a hat, and they would draw out two. 25 times I wasn't picked. 25 times. So I was there forever. I was, I was there forever. And I, like, I got to know everybody, and I organized it. Was, it was so long ago. <laughs> put a I, union yeah. of I organized a, a party in Johnny Carson's parking space. I was there so long. So we like, tried to see how many people we could fit in his parking space. And, and so finally I got picked. And by the time I got picked, I wasn't, I wasn't nervous at all because I'd just been like, I'm next. No, I'm next. So I finally got it. And I just decided to be whatever. I was so crazy and wild. I was on for four days. And um, I, I, uh, I was insane. And um, at first, uh, Chuck Lorre didn't know what to do with me. And then he decided to, that he was going to have fun. And we just played and got laughs. And I got recognized for over a year from that. And, and, and he sent me a note that I was his favorite contestant he ever had. Wow. But here's an example of how many people watch that show. This is a game show. So I didn't have any money, and I was like, okay, I'm going to buy. I won, I won $14,000, which to me was a, a, That's a, a fortune. Mi- yeah, it was a fortune. So I bought a truck, and then I, then I was going to buy a stereo because I've never had a stereo. You know, there's a million different pieces of stereos are super, super big. So I go to Circuit City to buy my stereo, and I'm coming out, and it's, you know, boxes everywhere in this cart, and a gang... Uh, a Latin gang comes straight towards me. I'm like, I'm going to get robbed. I'm going to get robbed. I can't even get to the car. First and, new stereo. Yeah, in. yeah. I'm getting robbed in the parking lot. And this gang, literally, you know, with the bandanas and all that stuff, they go, Terry from Scrabble. <laughs> and they help me load it in my car. It's like, oh, my God, they watch Scrabble? Do not judge. Do See, not judge was, people. He was the only participant who might have been happy winning a year's supply of rice aroni. Right? I was. Because you were broke. I know. Right? And you know, I was named, I outed myself. You can, well, you can, you can YouTube this. You go Terry Ray uh, on YouTube, uh, 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 blooper or whatever, uh, Scrabble. I, I, uh, I outed myself on television on Scrabble without meaning to, and it was named the third gayest moment in the history of game shows after <laughs> Paul and Charles Nelson Riley. I am number three. I saw that. Congratulations. Yeah, number three. That's how horribly well, gay I to, was. To be mentioned in, the, in that stratosphere of, of those two other names, come on, that's, highly, that's a big deal. Highly honored. I mean, because Paul Lynn as the center square. Yes. 
Paul in uh, when I was 18 tried to pick me up, but I was too stupid to know it. Yeah. So I, 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 I'm just. You could have been a box on all the squares. Been boxed up. I, I don't very, know. I have a very good friend. I'm not going to say his name, but uh, he, he, he's a good friend. He's, he's a singer here in town. Uh, Frank Sinatra. No, no. <laughs> it's a good guess, though, right? It was really close. Same initials. No, uh, and but he used to. He worked for a, a very famous movie star, Mae West. And oh, don't I say, know who he is. Okay, you know who he is. Anyway, Paul Lynn uh, was not out, and he was also not supposed to smoke pot, as nobody was back then. But it, Mae West had this house that had this kind of secret room. And you would go down these stairs, and everybody would go over to my friend's house in Hollywood, which was really Mae West's house, and they would all smoke pot. (laughs) And Paul Lynn was one of those guys. It was secretly gay and secretly smoking pot. (laughs) Well, what I loved at the end was two things. One of the things Chuck Rollery said, you you gave an answer, and Chuck says, it's been like this for two days, people. (laughs) (laughs) And then the other thing I loved was when he said, what are you going to do with the money? (laughs) You said... I either need to buy a jet or a muffler. <laughs> I assume it was the muffler. It was the muffler. No, I, I ditched the whole car. I got enough money to get out of that thing. But at first, I needed a muffler. That had to be a lot of fun, though. Yeah. I mean, Chuck yeah. was a pretty big deal back then. Yeah. No, I had a great time with him. And I know he's, he's uh, very conservative now, but he was, he, was, he was quite nice to me at the time. So I have nothing but I, good memory. So. So one of the other things that, that, I, that you've done that I just think is amazing is your YouTube channel. Uh. And um, you have a, a therapy show <laughs> that you do that I just think is one of the greatest ideas. Can you kind of talk about that a little bit? It's called TV Therapy, and each episode is a different classic television star playing their role again with all the issues that they would have right now. Like, for example, Tabitha from Bewitched in therapy is like, okay, well, one day my dad was this one guy and then another day he was just completely somebody else and nobody said anything and we just had to go with it. So, you know, so there's just those kind of things, this you know. amazing. And, um, That's fantastic. Yeah, so uh, it's, it, it was, it's been great and it was like, something I could do during COVID. I want to order 12 episodes of that right now. <laughs> I wanna, that's a Netflix show. Yeah, Come on. I did it with great people. I did it with Don Wells. It's like one of the last things she did. Oh, I think wow. it was the last thing she did. And, um, and, you know, and, and people like, because my character just thinks everybody's crazy because there's like Eddie Monster who is, you know, his and dad. you're in character playing a therapist. I play a therapist. Yeah. And, and you're getting the actual real stars to do this. Yes. The real people who played them, like Eddie Monster. Right. Who is. Butch Patrick. Uh, uh, yeah. Butch Patrick is a, a werewolf. His dad was, you know, I said, well, who was your dad? He's like, it's kind of eclectic. There's a little bit of everything. <laughs> <laughs> What is what is your YouTube channel so people can see this? If you just go TV therapy, it's on YouTube. Okay, TV yeah. therapy. Yeah. Well, uh, I mentioned that is I mentioned to Terry earlier that several of the people that he's interviewed were like my original TV crushes. Me too. Juliet Mills from The Nanny and the Professor, literally might have been the first person I ever had a crush on. She is a, a, a good friend, and I absolutely adore her. Yeah, she uh, she was in a series that I wrote and starred in too. That she that's how I met her. But uh, she's she's lovely. I love Juliet Mills. She's terrific. All right, so you're in LA and you're doing all this stuff, game shows, <laughs> <laughs> writing writing TV movies. Uh, how did you end up in Palm Springs? What brought you out here? Electricity did. So I was doing the play in LA, and I had a producer named Michael Darner who lived in Palm Springs, and he. Um, the reason I, uh, electricity was just a script on a, my desk, and this is another one of my scripts on my desk. I didn't think I was going to get it made because I didn't have any money to, to put up a play. And I was, uh, I was on a, uh, invited to go on a cruise to talk about a film that I had done. And um, so I was on this cruise to Alaska, and um, Michael Darner was on the cruise, and he just, uh, he was another person on the cruise, and he just asked me what else I've done. I said, I just wrote this play. I really, I'm really excited about this play I wrote. I didn't remember that conversation. So later, the, the film came to Palm Springs, and he came, and he said, what happened to that play that you wrote? And I said, oh, uh, he's like, I'm an architect, but I would like to read it. And um, I'm like, okay. So I gave it to him, and he's from Ohio. And he said, when he read it, he said, this is my life story. I am going to make this play happen. And so because of Michael Darner, we did it in, L- in L.A., and it did really well. And then, and then we were like, what else can we do? And we thought about doing it, because the whole thing takes place in one motel room. We thought about doing it actually in a motel, immersively, with the audience in the motel room with us. And he had friends who uh, um, owned Indulge. So he said, 
they said, great, let's try it. And we, and we did it for like a year and a half. And it was playing, it was playing, and then we also did it at Oscars. And, and, um, and then uh, my building sold in, in LA and I had to move. And I'm like, I, I, I think I could just go to Palm Springs and it'd be a lot cheaper and I wouldn't have to get a job to, because I had rent control for like 30 years. So <laughs> I, I, seriously, so I was like paying nothing for rent. And I'm like, I don't want to get a job just to pay rent. I won't be able to be creative. So I, I moved here and then my co-star moved here in Mel England. And then our director, Steve Rosenbaum, who I'm doing the bent with moved here. So we all moved here because of, because of Michael getting us that connection. And then Michael passed away right before we could, you know, do mm. stuff. So, yeah. But... That had a sad ending, but it was a good story until then. <laughs> it's still a good story, though, because the play is a remarkable piece of work, and and you're still you're going to be off Broadway with it. So yeah, it, it's still a good story. It is. I'm a good sorry story. that Michael is not here to see that, but it's important that you continue to do. Yeah, it. he'd Let, be proud. Let's talk about the bent. Uh, you, you saw a niche in this valley. Yeah. Uh, for theater, gay theater. I, we, we to had, tell these stories, and, and, and you decided, let's just go ahead and do this with Stephen. Right. So the, uh, we had, both of us had just acted in a, a couple plays at uh, the, the Desert Rose, and, um, which was great. Uh, like I could, I, it was the first time I had a chance to like, do something besides electricity. And then the Desert Rose went under, and I was like, we can't, we can't not have a gay theater in Palm Springs. So Steve and I were like, let's do this. Though we had no money and um and um we just did it we we, we formed a new we you know did the non-profit thing and we put each put twenty dollars in the bank and the scrabble and money was long gone it was by this slightly time. gone okay. yeah uh <laughs> slightly gone. like my below. hair yeah <laughs> <laughs> like my hair <laughs> fell out just as fast as that did um so we um we then by the time we paid for checks we had four dollars and 95 cents in the account and we we're gonna okay we have to wait we have to do fundraising and all this stuff but then the palm springs cultural center said hey do you want to do electricity here? And we're like, oh, we're going to go to Off-Broadway with electricity. But uh, I have another play and uh, that I just wrote during COVID called The Lincoln Debate. And I'm like, what if we, wait a minute, what if we do The Lincoln Debate to launch our new theater and then would have money? And they said, you know, they would partner with us and they would front the expenses and then we split the tickets. And so because of their generosity, we were able to launch and then, then The Lincoln Debate did well. We were able to buy rights to the next play and then we didn't, it, it just has, it's just kept growing. The Lincoln Debate is, I had you on Eye in the Desert to talk about this, but it, 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 you pull all historical information. Mm -hmm. you, you're not creating anything. No. Here. What you're doing is shining a light and letting the audience kind of judge. But tell people the premise of the Lincoln debate. So Abraham Lincoln, most people don't know this, but Abraham Lincoln slept in the same bed with a man for four years named Joshua Speed. Slept in the, not in the same room, in the same, same bed. bed. Same Which bed. was not uncommon. Well, but not, not long term. Like men right. would travel together to save money, but... Um, and also, there's uh, stories about some other people who would sometimes stay over there as well. So obviously, there was two beds. <laughs> so, um, so they had an option. And it was four years. And if, and if you layer that in, history records him as, as, as Lincoln's best friend. And if you just follow the, the story of, of Chase and Lincoln, you get one thing. But then if you also talk about what happened when he was courting Mary Todd at the same time and you layer them over because they actually happened exactly the same time. He, he broke up with Mary Todd when, when Joshua Speed, he was engaged to Mary Todd, he broke up with her when Joshua Speed had to leave town and he went, he went with him. He went to, to, to Louisville with, to visit him and he dropped, Mar he dropped Mary. So he chose Joshua. Yeah. I mean, and, and there's just, uh, when you put it together and then there's these letters, the, the, the letters that Lincoln wrote to Joshua Speed. We don't have the letters that Speed wrote to, to Lincoln, but we only have one side, Lincoln's letters. And oh my God. I mean, the, he's freaking out about the wedding night. There's all this stuff. It's it, and you put it in context, and it's what, I don't think anybody had done that. Layered them together, like what's happening with him and Mary Todd at the same time. These letters are happening at the same time. All this happens. It's crazy. It's and it's we do it in a fun in a fun way, but also we I don't make up a thing. It's all true. So where did you get this idea? Like, where were you doing this research and, and started to? you know, connect these dots. Well, I didn't know all of it. I didn't, I, first I knew there was letters. That's all I knew. I knew there were letters. Uh -huh. So I'm like, let me just study these letters and see if there's a play here. Because during COVID, I was like, I don't know what to write about. I knew I have the time to write, but I'm like, I, I don't, 
I don't want to write about COVID because people are going to be sick of it when it's over. And I, you know, I, I, politics were sucky. I don't know where the government, I don't know where the world's going to be. Let me write about the past. And I've always been fascinated with Abraham Lincoln because we have the same birthday and I just, I, I love all that stuff. And so let me just explore these letters. And when I started exploring the letter, I wrote, I looked at contemporary biographies. They were no good because people have already made up their minds. So I had to go to the actual letters of the people who knew Lincoln. And when I did that, I was like, oh my God, there's gossip. Uh, Joshua Speed was not the only person Lincoln slept with. He slept in a, in a store in a bed with somebody else. Okay, all right. That's, maybe he was poor. Let's see. But then in the White House. Well, there was no Scrabble back then. There was so. no Scrabble. In the, in the White House, there were diaries, gossipy, of when Mrs. Todd wouldn't spend the night in the White House, that the guy that was Lincoln's guard would sleep in the same bed. Wow. The end of the little, the little paragraph says, what stuff? So it's what like, you know, there's, there's a lot of evidence that Lincoln had. What happened interest. to Joshua? So Joshua, I mean, like they both had to get married back then, right? <clears throat> Especially Lincoln was going to be a politician. And, and Lincoln basically picked out Joshua Speed's wife. And they were supposed to both get married. Lincoln broke his off. But when he was visiting Speed, he hooked him up with like, okay, you're going to marry her. And so he never had children. They lived happily ever. He was a slave owner. He uh, had a huge plantation, 50-something slaves in, in uh, Louisville. The house is still there. And, um, uh, but during the Civil War, Speed helped Lincoln, knowing that he wouldn't give up. It would cost him his slaves and things. He, but he, he, yeah. he wound up helping them. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So what was your con- – I know the way you wrote the play, you allowed the audience to kind of mm-hmm. make the call. What's your call? Uh, I think he's uh, one of the initials of the LGB. <laughs> Thank you. Whatever. LGBTQ. Whatever. I, I, well, cocktails. <laughs> <laughs> well, this seems like. They can't like see that we're drinking cocktails, can they? they but they know because we're, we're at Skip Page's little bar. So. It seems so logical now to be asking you about Lonnie Anderson. Ah. Lonnie yeah. Anderson. <clears throat> well, first of all, you can talk about Lonnie Anderson as, you, as long as you'd like to while I'm sitting here. But. Talk to me because you had a well, relationship. I think, we need to, I think we need to refocus. Do you have a little crush on Lonnie? Yeah, Is well, something we need well, to talk like about. My I just got over Julia. Yeah, you like all my girls. I don't do. You? I do you like Don Wells too? Did you like Listen, her? Listen, I kind of like Charles Nelson Riley a little <laughs> bit too. <laughs> so I, yeah, all so. my girls, all of them. Um, <laughs> so tell me, how did how did that start? Because you, you had a relationship that spanned a few different things with her. Yeah. So uh, I, I met Lonnie when I did the sitcom with Adam Weston's underwear. Going back to that, she started. What a that. great name that would have been for Adam, the for the show. Adam Weston's Weston Weston underwear. <laughs> I think it's, it's, it's what I call it. Um, so and, and 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 Charles was a part of that because Charles and Lonnie were best, really good friends because of Burt Reynolds. And um, so I knew I had like a little in with Lonnie. I was going to say, hey, I'm, I'm Charles Nelson Raleigh's acting student. And she was like, oh, my God. So, so that week we, you know, chatted as, as that. And, um, and then when I wrote this show called with, with my friend Wendy Michaels. We wrote a show called um, My Sister is So Gay. And I thought, Wendy, we're just going to write it. We're not going to worry about who's going to play what role until we write it. Let's just write it. And then we knew when the mother wanted to be a, needed to be a star. So we wrote it. And she said, who, who's going to be the mom? And I just said... Lonnie Anderson. And I'd only met her for that one week. And um, he said, can you get to her? And I'm like, well, I was in a show with her once, and I have, like, a picture of us in a clip. Maybe I can send that to her agent. <laughs> so we're like this. Right. So I sent, I sent that to her agent, and the next day, the phone rings, Lonnie Anderson. I totally remember you. This is the funniest script. I absolutely, this is exactly what I want to do. I'm in. Wow. And That's she great. was, and then we've been really lovely friends since. She's, she's, she, you know, she, she did everything. She, she made nothing on this show. She, we filmed it in my house. So she came over and she, she did her own makeup. She brought these beautiful clothes. We did two seasons of this. And she was so supportive and did everything for it. And I'm just like, I love her. And um, so, uh, you know, often there's wonderful things that I want to do with Alani. And, and she's so cool. She's cool. She's got the best stories. She's oh, got I'm really bad. good stories. <laughs> I can't tell them, but I can listen to them. They're really good. <laughs> We need to get Lonnie Anderson to do it. And his brother. Yeah. And, yeah well, yeah. Maybe <laughs> the two of them, we got a show. That would be a hell of a show. Lonnie, you're going to have to give some, she's got some stories <laughs> with some big stars in him. Mm-hmm. You know, the therapy show that you did, it, it, you talked about some of the um, old-time TV stars that were on there. One of the really funny ones that I thought was Ted Lang, Ugh. Isaac from The Love Boat. Yeah. And he starts out by asking his therapist, what, what can I make you? What kind of a drink can I make you? <laughs> oh, that's outstanding. 
<laughs> oh, so, I can't wait to go back and watch. I have not watched that. Oh, I, yeah, I think you'll like the TV therapy. Uh, and But Ted, I thought Ted gave like a news scoop because he said on while we were doing it, and I'm like, Ted, did you want to say that? And he said, yeah, uh, that he and uh, I know her actress name, but I can't think of her character name, Lauren Tews. What, uh, oh, Julie. Julie. Oh, yeah, Julie. He and Julie had a thing. No way. And, and, and he just said it on the show. And I'm like, what? He was serving up more than cocktails. Right. <laughs> so to speak. It was a therapy <laughs> session. <laughs> but I thought that, I'd never heard that. I'm like, this is a news scoop. It was the love boat. It was the love it, boat. It was the love boat. Who was it? it was, he said somebody, only one actor asked him who was it it was like a sports guy it was like joe namath or something yeah i'm not sure if it's joe namath but i'm just saying that uh he said looked at him and said you and you and lauren something's going on and he's like no one else had noticed it really yeah <clears throat> even steubing didn't notice it huh? no mm -mm. Mm -mm. well but you look at the names that were on here <clears throat> alexandra paul from baywatch yeah she that was great because her character was you know came back as a dog so you know that's crazy <laughs> that is crazy. what <laughs> yeah when they killed her off, she came back later as their dog. It was they did. They in they, Baywatch. In Baywatch, yeah. I like, must have missed that season. Yeah, <laughs> they thought it was the spirit. Her spirit was in the dog. That was something. one of those. Like Randy said earlier, I think at this point, it's what you watch with the sound down. Well, I never, I never had the volume. When the up dog on started running in slow motion on the beach, you knew who it was. <laughs> I knew exactly and who it was. All eight of his little boobies are going back That's and forth. Alexander Paul. Yeah. All eight of them. You know. Has there? Has there ever been a time where you've been sitting across from somebody like that and just got, oh, my God, I can't believe all the time, all the stuff that had to have happened for me to be sitting here all the time? I, uh, oh, I was super starstruck as a kid. I, I uh, quickly I just this is so weird. This happened this week. Somebody from Diane Sawyer's office called me because they read this thing on my website because when I was a kid, I used to pretend to be a reporter so that I could meet all these stars that came through town on this one theater company that every week it was a different star. I never wrote a thing. I just I just, just interviewed him. I pretended like I was a reporter and got away with it. And um, so anyway, so I I've always been like starstruck. That. I've always been starstruck. But um, yeah, like, like I, for example, the first time I met Don Wells, who wound up being a, a wonderful, wonderful friend, um, she, uh, you know, she called me up. I was, I was visiting my mom, and I'm in my backyard as a kid, where I, you know, was, uh, when, when I was a where I lived was a kid, and where I was starstruck. And she, she's asking me questions about boys. And I'm like, I'm sitting where I was when I was 12 years old, and Marianne is asking me about boys. This is just so weird. But, you know, cool, right? That's very cool. Right. So, yeah, I, I always, I'm always, I try not to be, but I, I am still like, oh, my God, especially people that I knew from when I was a kid. Contemporary people, I'm not that way, but like, with the old stars, I am like, oh, you know. So yeah. what's coming up for you? What are you working on next? Well, we're really working on electricity going to New York. And um, I, I really want to figure out what to do next with, with the Lincoln debate. I think it has legs. So I'm gonna I think that some. really, you know, story. The, the, it's, it's a, such a brilliantly conceived, it, pulling from the original texts and, and setting up yeah. the, the ability for the audience to kind of see the, what was going on, you know, Con concurrently in Lincoln's life. Yeah. It's, it's really brilliant. It's fun, and it's actually funny, and, um, and it has heart, so I'm really proud of that script, and it's completely different than Electricity, which is what I wanted, and um, and, and of course, w the bent is, I, I've been so crazy in the last, since, since December, we've done four plays. I played the lead in three of them. I wrote two of them, and the fourth one that I wasn't in, I had three hours notice to go on stage and play them. So it's like, it's been, my brain is swollen with lines it's like uh, you know there's a lot of dialogue up there that what's what's yeah. up next for the next season with bent we haven't announced it yet it's still a secret nobody's but listening you can announce it here on the podcast <laughs> well i could if i knew what it was <laughs> <laughs> yeah that explains we'll why he hasn't announced it. that's part of it we'll save that that's scoop the for i on the desert secret part yeah we'll do that all right yeah Mm -hmm. But that's uh, so you will. But you will continue on at the Palm Springs Cultural Center. Yeah, they're your partner in this, and and they've they've converted one of their big theaters into a live stage. Yes, uh, it's it's the perfect. We wouldn't be able to survive without them, and they have been so kind, and we're getting to really thrive and do great stuff. So we've gotten so. I mean, just just starting out, we've gotten so many great reviews and such. We've had full houses. I mean, we've been selling out, and it's crazy. It's crazy.
So um, in hindsight, this was a good move to Palm Springs. I've wasn't been it? busier than I've ever been. Yeah. yeah. What, do, what do you do? And do you ever try to shut down? And if you do, what do you do to shut down? You mean personally shut down? Yeah, just take it easy for a little while and no. slow your brain down. I, mean, I know what that is. Never happens. No, no. People are like, I have a friend who tells kids telling me he's bored. I'm like, what are you, what is <laughs> bored? I don't get it. There's always so much to do, you know. Like, well, look at this one, this lazy one over here. It's Mr. Patrick Evans, who never does anything. How, well, do you, how are you squeezing in this minute right now? This, hey, this is uh, this is um, not work to me. Okay, good. You know, I have you and I in the desert, which obviously is part of work. But, but that's that's the fun part of my day. This is this is just kind of I view it as kind of an extended version of I in the desert, where I get to get to actually have a longer conversation with some people that I really enjoy. Uh, and also Randy's here. And so. me too. Yeah. <laughs> People he enjoys. And Randy's here too. Wow. Wow. Well, listen, wow. I don't I didn't enjoy, enjoy spending me, time uh, with myself the either. The love so. is so deep I need to lift my feet up. Yes. It's getting really. Well, one other thing I wanted to mention here. Um, you really stretch as an actor. And, and I love that so much. Credits that I've read. In the movie Elvira, you were the nerdy town person. Mm -hmm. In Living Color, you were the man with shish kebab. Days of Our Lives, you were the French waiter. Uh -huh. And Keenan and Kel, you were the peppy employee. So you haven't been typecast. No. You can play anything. I, I, I mean, no, you I, were a man with shish kebab. I was. That was my I would imagine if Hollywood's looking for a man with shish kebab. That would be me. Terry's yeah. the guy. Every one of those is this crazy story. I'm going to tell you that story really Please. quickly. Okay, so that was, that was my first time to do a TV show. It was in Living Color. Like, hello. What you know, a show. Living Color. So I got cast to do a sketch with Chris Rock, and uh, it was he did this character called Cheap Pete, and he used to his character would ask how much how much something cost, and he goes, "Good Lord!" and then he would just <laughs> say, "I'll give you this much for it." And um, and so it was a restaurant scene, and um, and everybody was in it from the cast except for Jim Carrey. He wasn't in the sketch, but um, but uh, <laughs> um, when we went to film, we went to film uh, in front of an audience. Chris Rock uh, said, I don't remember. I actually don't remember what the real line was, but I had my shish kebab, and he said, well, uh, how much for your shish kebab? And I, and I told him, and he's like, well, good Lord, how much, how much to just, to just to lick your stick? <laughs> and, um, <laughs> which was funnier than what was written. It was funnier than what was written. I will give Chris Rock that. But the censors wouldn't let him do it. And so, um, even on Living Color, yeah, huh? Living Color. Wow. So they he, they wouldn't let him do it, and he walked off the set. And um, and I'm like, this is my scene. And he walked off the set, and there's the audience. And over an hour, we sat there. And he finally came back, and he told they told him he had to do the line, the the line. And when he, he did the scene, and we came to came to my scene, he said the real line like this. Oh. So ruined the scene. So it got cut. Oh, so it never made air. Yeah. Oh, what a bummer. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever talked about how he ruined your life? Buddy? Yeah, I'm going to tell him. I want to slap him. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm upset about it. Keep I, I'd go yeah. with you. What yeah. a great story. I went, <laughs> I went with Wait, it to slap said Chris Wait, one Rock. of these had a story. They do. All right, so I want to hear the story about uh, the peppy, what is it, the peppy neighbor? Peppy employee. Peppy employee. Keenan and Kel. Oh, well, I mean, that, that's a story, but the better story is the Elvira one. Okay, let's hear that one then. Okay, so. I like when guests get Nerdy townsperson. Uh, nerdy townsperson. So I didn't, I have my SAG card yet. So I, I was doing extra work to get my SAG card. And, and back then you had to get a line to get a SAG card, Screen Actors Guild card, which is in the union so you can audition for things. And you couldn't, nowadays you can get vouchers as an extra. You couldn't do that back then. You had to literally get a line. And I'm like, okay, I just moved here. And I'm like, I'm going to learn about movies and TV. I'm going to be an extra and I'm going to learn this about but I never saw anybody get a line. And um, so uh, I, uh, I found out it was going to be an extra on Elvira, Mr. Stark. And I'm like, okay, this is a comedy. I'm going to go for it. I don't care what happens. I'm going to go for it. So I dressed up this totally nerd guy. And I didn't bring any of the clothes, so they couldn't make me change. So I really stand out. And um, so the scene was a group scene, town scene, where they were going to burn her at the stake. And they had a little stake for her dog. And they had us all... <laughs> And they had a little. They had us all around the fire where they were, she was on the stake, and they said, you know, say, they said, you know, I want the crowd to chant, "Burn the witch." So everybody was going, "Burn the witch!" Pause, pause, pause. Burn the witch! Pause, pause. Really lethargic pause. And I'm like, okay, I'm gonna go for it. So in the middle of a pause, 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 I just screamed, "Burner!" And a little dog too. <laughs> 
and they they said cut and then cut. I'm like I'm waiting to get fired and I see them talking and then they come over with the camera and everything and they said okay what you just do is try that again and um, so I I did it got a line and then Cassandra Peterson Elvira saw the dailies and said who is he I love him I want him here every day so I worked for two more weeks on it because she liked me now there's one of my TV crushes Elvira oh yeah oh, oh you'll like this one time we were talking and we were standing on the back lot set in front of the monster's house it was on the lot and which was her house in the movie and all of a sudden her, her heel got caught in her dress and she was going down and I reached out and I grabbed her by her boobs because that was the only thing that stuck out <laughs> and, and I and I and I caught her by her boobs and uh, she did a little man in row and she kind of tucked and she went thanks ever so and she tucked them back in <laughs> and then as soon as she was gone all the crew guys rush over and go what they feel like what they feel like what they feel like and I'm like I don't know I never felt boobs before and they're like what a waste <laughs> what a complete waste although if there is one set of boobs that you're ever going to feel in your life I mean um, th- those well yeah I, I guess I took them for granted but I, but I didn't <laughs> I did didn't know what them. you had I didn't. took Elvira's boobs <laughs> for granted a bird in hand this yeah. may be the new new <laughs> top of the line story for the podcast yeah, yeah. but then they did like an they just like a year or two ago they did an anniversary uh, DVD release where they had narration and she narrated and she mentions me like three times because she was just so kind to me and that so it was it was a good good time. Terry, this yeah. was awesome. Um, thank you for being here today. Thank you for I was having so me. excited about having you here today. Just what? from watching you walk out of the ocean up to Mary Ann <laughs> screaming, <laughs> help me. <laughs> that right there hooked me into you. Aw, thank you. Thank you. Randy uh, Randy had texted me some time ago and he's like, Have you ever heard of Terry Ray? Do you think we could get him on the I'm like I know Terry Ray. I don't know, like, I, I, Terry's been on Iron the Day. I'm sure he would but do But I was podcast. still hoping that you'd come on, even knowing Patrick. Uh, yeah, in spite of. Yeah. It, yeah. I mean, it, uh, I did have to think about it, but then, you know. You could feel the love in this podcast. <laughs> yeah. It was fun. This has been great. great fun. Thank you Terry, so much. Fantastic. It, it was so much fun for me because I've known you, but... Uh, we haven't got to talk like this. No, we've never had that stop. And Randy mm. does fantastic research, which yeah. I do very little of. So... <laughs> Uh, you've done a lot of stuff that I didn't know about, so this is really cool. Cool. <laughs> Thank you, you for did. being here. Oh, well, you're welcome. We appreciate all of you, each of you, the one of you listening. Both. <laughs> oh, we doubled our audience in a week. Thank you, Terry. Wow. Terry's, yeah, you knew you had to get a name in here, right? <laughs> so you should try that. Charles Nelson Riley. There are a lot of episodes, a big conversation, little bar, and they're all almost this much fun. So, <laughs> and we hope that you will join us each and every time. You can find us at bigconversationslittlebar.com and on all of your favorite podcast platforms. For Randy Florence, Ed Terry Ray, and John McMullen, our engineer, I'm Patrick Evans. Thanks for joining us. Come back next time. Thanks for listening to Big Conversations Little Bar. Join Randy and Patrick next time as we keep the conversation going right here on Big Conversations Little Bar. Little Bar.